just when you thought eggs couldn't get any more disgusting, they did. You're like, Jason, I love eggs. I don't know why you hate eggs so much. Anyways, they're disgusting. And then, but that's not the whole story. I'm going to talk about other stuff. And then a man has a close encounter of the tea time. You're like, Jason, these are making less and less sense. Hold on. And then... And then we cover a true crime story that should strike fear into the heart of any well-meaning citizen. When a young woman is stumbling home from a bar, many good Samaritans reach out to help her home. But she ends up falling into the arms of a killer. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having a lot of fun. I'm still doing my breakneck recording to try to get as many episodes out before this heat wave hits. But let's go ahead and introduce one of our legacy Patreons. Coming into Dead Rabbit... Oh, hurry up, hurry up. Coming to Dead Rabbit Command, bro. I gotta get this episode recorded. Coming into Dead Rabbit Command is user profile name. Everyone give a round of applause. <laughs> give a round of applause to this Tron character who has a default name. What happened? I actually reached out to you. I tried to figure out what was going on. User profile name. I remember they set up an account. The name had a profanity in it. I saw it pop up in a notification, but by the time I went to look at it, it came to user profile name so you are now one of the users you are now one of the gods of the tron world user you're going to be our captain our pilot this episode if you guys can't support the patreon that's fine too just help spread the word about the show really really helps out a lot user i'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the dead rabbit dirigible we're going to leave behind dead rabbit command we are headed out to dong yang china dead rabbit dirigible is taking us high above the heat up in the stratosphere where it's super cold. <laughs> we don't have oxygen. We're slowly dying, but it's nice and cool. User, take us on out to China. Specifically, we're going to Dongyang. That's in the Zhejiang province. I was recommending the story by Mason, one of my longtime Patreon supporters, longtime supporter of the show. He sent this over to me on the Patreon Discord. So he sent me this over. This is a delicacy in Dongyang. You get an egg. You get one egg, fresh from the chicken. It has to be steaming right out of the chicken's vagina. Bloop. You look at it, you're holding it, and you're like, yes, yes, perfect chicken body temperature. And then you've got to soak the egg in water. You cook it, right? That's how you would normally boil an egg. You don't need to get it fresh out of the chicken's vagina. But are they vaginas, or is that what they're called on a chicken? Jamie, look that up. Look me, look that up, and then don't tell me, because it's super disgusting. That's how you normally boil an egg. You take the chicken egg or duck egg or goose egg or whatever, put it in water and boil it. But Don Yang, man, they're like, that's lame. We got to do stuff differently. Step one, you want to boil an egg? You want to boil an egg in Dong Yang, dude? Step one, go to a local elementary school. And you're like, is that where the chicken coops are? Does like, Dong Yang have this farm built into the school? No. You're driving by, you see all the chicken farms, you pass those, you see fresh egg stores. It's just the shape of a giant chicken's vagina. That's what you walk into to get your eggs. It's not many people shop there. No. You go to the local elementary school, and you're walking in with the dude, and you're like, dude, I'm so hungry. All I do, all I need to cure my hunger is one hard-boiled egg. I don't know why my body's built like that, but that's what I need. You're walking into this elementary school with this dude, and he's like, oh, don't worry, man. You're going to get your one hard-boiled egg. But first, we got to go to the elementary school. Then you go into the boys' restroom. You're like, wait, what? What? Is there chicken in here? There's a basin. There's a giant trough. And you see the your friend from Dong Yang going, doo, 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 and he picks the basin up. 
And then he's like, help me carry, help me carry this basin of children's urine to my car. And you're like, what? Oh, man. You have this basin of boys' urine. Has to be urine from 10-year-olds, your friend tells you. You're, you're wondering why this guy is your friend. He's like, what we do is we get urine from boys who are under 10 years old. And he begins to scoop out this urine. I'm sure he has some sort of funnel or something like that. I'm sure he doesn't spend all day doing this. But he takes the urine from the trough in the boys' restroom and puts it in buckets and takes it to his car. And you're like, okay, this must just be a side quest or something like that, right? This must be collect five barrels of boy urine and then you'll get some experience points and then we'll just cook an egg. So he drives you back to his kitchen. You're a little worried because he's bringing the urine into his kitchen with you. And he explains to you, okay, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to take this egg, this egg you need so much, we're going to boil it. And you're like, finally, you let me finish. We're going to boil it in boy's urine. Like, what? So many questions have popped up in your head. None of them are answerable. <laughs> Some of the questions are, is this healthy? Probably not, right? Is this clean? Probably not. So in schools, in these elementary schools in Dongyang, this is a this is so real, there's like infrastructure built into this. When a boy needs to go to the bathroom, the teacher reminds him, remember to use the basin. I don't know where else they're going, right? I don't know if they're just going on the floor. And they're also told, if you're sick, don't pee in the basin. Because, I mean, we want to soak our eggs in boy urine, but we don't want to soak our eggs in boy urine if they have the flu. You know, you got to think safe. So I don't know if they just go behind a tree or something like that. I guess there's like a normal toilet to poop in, too. There's not the poop basin next to it. There's some chef there. He's like, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm, this is all for me. Girls just use normal toilets. They don't want to use girl urine. They're like, that has cooties in it. We tried that. Everyone got cooties. You bring this boy urine out of this basin. Some people are lucky enough, like, if you have a boy, if you have a son in your house, you just have them pee, you're like, oh, yes, my own eggs. I don't need to buy those store-bought eggs anymore. Honey, we're off the grid. We're going to live in the middle of nowhere, and I'm going to eat all the virgin boy eggs myself. That's what they're called. I should have announced that earlier. These are called virgin boy eggs. And what they do is they take a, an egg um, all over the place. They take an egg, they boil it, not in water, they boil it in boy urine. And you're like, okay, you know, that's fine. <laughs> you, would, you would never say that. I'm totally putting words in your mouth. But let's say for let's say for a second you think that's fine. You take the egg, you boil it in boy's urine, and you pull it out. And then you're like, I'm just going to wash it off, right? Like maybe the boy's urine. <laughs> you can't even think of any rational reason of why you would do this. But let's say you do. Let's say you do. And you go, maybe the boy's urine, whatever. I'm going to take it out. I'm going to wash it off anyways. A boiled egg is a boiled egg. It doesn't matter if I'm boiling it in water or in hydrogen peroxide. It probably does. Don't try that. Don't even try boiling hydrogen peroxide. That might explode or kill you. But this is what they do. They boil it. They get it nice in a hard-boiled egg, right? Which are disgusting. I hate hard-boiled eggs. I don't even want to look at them. Deviled eggs, they're all disgusting. I can only eat scrambled eggs, kind of. But... You, you take a regular egg, you turn in a hard-boiled egg, you pull it out of the urine, then you crack the shell, and now you have a hard-boiled egg. And that would be bad enough. But then they take this unshelled egg, and you go, you know what this recipe is missing? More boy urine. So then they put the unshelled, the only thing that was protecting it from this disgustingness, they put this unshelled egg back in the urine, and you boil it until it soaks up all the boy urine. Which is not which is not anything you want to see in any recipe ever. It's like you know it's done when there's no more boy urine available. 
it actually turns golden. You're like, oh, that's a nice color. And the yolk turns green. Like moldy green. And then you eat it, and then you then you do your best to try to enjoy a virgin boy egg. These are very popular in Dongyang. It's a cultural dish. Like, I'm sure... You know what's funny? Because when you read articles about this, it's uh, it goes back centuries. People say it reduces... It's one of those things, like, it does everything, which should tell you that it does nothing. Like, a t like I take Tylenol, and it helps pain. It also doesn't improve my eyesight and make me faster. Like, any food or drug that claims too many different things does none of them. So if you eat virgin boy eggs, you reduce inflammation, it promotes blood circulation, it gets rid of fungal infections of the mouth, which I'm sure also caused by eating boy urine. It has all these homeopathic traits, but most likely none of them exist. The residents of Dong Yang are actually... There's a 50-50 split. People are really divided over this because some people say it's delicious and it's totally cured my inflammation and I can run fast. Mom, look at how fast I can run after I ate an egg. And then the other people go, I think they're disgusting. And that would be fine. Not everyone in town is going to eat McDonald's, right? But the problem is, is that whether or not you eat a McDonald's, you don't smell boiling boy urine all day long. The people in town who hate the eggs hate the town. Because it constantly smells, like at certain times of the day, when everyone's making these eggs, you just smell boiling boy urine waft through the town. So the people who hate the eggs, they go, I don't eat them, but I can't avoid them. <laughs> They're everywhere. I'm walking down the street. There's like a stink cloud following me around. So that's the story of virgin boy eggs. It's bizarre. It's disgusting. It's like my best combination of things that I love. Mason, thanks for bringing this to my attention. User, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dong Yang, China. We're trying to outrun this stink cloud. We are headed out to a small town in America. <laughs> Old-timey Jason Jalopy is being driven by user. We're headed out to an unnamed city somewhere in the heartland. There's a young man. He's at his house. He's sleeping. Let's call him... Jeremy. Let's call him a name. Let's call him a name I can pronounce. Let's call him Michael. Michael is sleeping in his bed one night and he wakes up. Can't really figure out why. You know, just one of those things. He kind of wakes up and he's sitting there in the darkness of his room and he sees that there's a light on downstairs. He's like, what? That's weird. I'm sure that I shut that off. So he gets up out of his bed. He's still kind of unsteady, you know, right when you wake up. He walks out of his bedroom. He walks downstairs to go shut off the light, and he sees something in his kitchen. He sees what he calls a little green man, which is an interesting description of an alien. That is an old term. Usually, that was like almost a mocking term. Nowadays, they're usually classified as greys or reptilians or humanoids, if you don't really know how to place it, but he actually uses the words little green man in the kitchen. He says it was about the size of an eight-year-old, just standing there. And he goes, he didn't get any sort of sense of terror from this thing. He wasn't scared of it, and it wasn't scared of him. It just turned to him and smiled. He doesn't get any he doesn't give any other descriptors of how this alien being looks. Just that it has green skin and it's quite small. And he doesn't know what to do. He this Normally when you would find an intruder in your house, you would have a fight or flight response. Well, fight response, there's nowhere to go. You're in your house. But 
he looks at this bean and says, uh, hello, would you like a drink? And he got a telepathic message in his head. Yes, I would like a drink. Michael asks, uh, what do you want? Do you want some coffee? Do you want some water? And he gets another telepathic message. I would prefer tea, please. So Michael, Michael looks in his cupboards and finds some tea that he has. Which is interesting because this alien probably knew that he did have tea. If he can read his mind, he may have seen that he bought tea so many months ago. But he does make this tea and the humanoid is just standing in the kitchen, just observing him. When he's done making the tea, he puts it on the table. And the alien just stands there and looks at the tea. Michael goes, aren't you going to drink the tea? And the alien smiles and says, oh, I don't drink tea. Well, why did you want me to make it then? Michael asks. And the alien goes, I appreciate the form of the tea and the effort that went into making it. Michael asks, why are you here? What, what, what's the cause of this visit? He doesn't get a vocal answer. He doesn't get a telepathic answer. Instead, he sees in an instant a million images blast through his head. He sees people enjoying themselves at home, on the beach, walking through the woods. He sees world peace. He sees a world of no pollution. He sees a world of pure abundance. All of these images in his head. And he's overwhelmed by this. He says they're coming so fast and they don't stop. He's seeing all of this joy but it's too much for him to comprehend. And he passes out. He wakes up in his bed and he thinks this must be a dream, right? It must have been dreaming. This is such a bizarre encounter. He goes downstairs and he notices there's no tea left out. So was I dreaming? Did my wife, who, who Jason didn't mention was in the story earlier next to him in bed, did my wife wake up earlier and, and clean all the tea stuff that I leave it down? I don't know what happened. I... I might have just been a dream. So he tells his wife, he goes, I had the weirdest experience last night. And he tells her this story and she sits there and she goes, last night I woke up in the middle of the night and there was a little man at the foot of our bed. He was just standing there. But I figured I was dreaming. I figured that couldn't be. So I just went back to sleep. Michael said shortly after this event they ended up leaving the house they ended up selling the house and moving to the countryside shortly after i found the story on the x board probably earlier this year i didn't save i didn't archive the link i feel bad about that but um lately i've been doing that more with reddit and uh, x board posts but i just thought it was such an interesting story it, it's very the thing that i love the most about it right let's assume that it's true it could be fake like everything we cover on the show it's just one person saying thing we don't know but the thing I love about this story is the tea moment. I love that little piece of information where you have this alien who can travel the cosmos, who has these telepathic powers, who did he come from a world of pure abundance and joy? Or was he showing what humanity could do? We have all of this high-level stuff. We have a man meeting an alien. We have telepathic communication, a vision of a possible future, a vision of an alien world we don't know. But to me, the reason why I saved this story for so long was the tea part. I just love that moment. 
Because, yeah, you can forget to take the little things into account. And you have this alien who has all of these powers and the ability to transcend space and time. But there's just something very special about boiling water. <laughs> boiling non-urinated water. Boiling water and taking a little bag and putting it and steeping it. And then having this refreshing drink that's made of water and plant. It's a very, very basic drink. It goes back thousands of years. And there is kind of a calmness to the creation of tea. Unless you have one of those whistling teapots and then it's not. But I just love that story. I kind of love that small moment between this alien and this human. And I keep saying alien. We don't know what this thing was. I, the term little green man could have been a slang term for gray. It could have been that this person was actually green. It, it, you know, because it's just this thing on export. It's just these few words that you didn't really follow anything up. But I love the story. Whether or not you pictured it as a little green human being or a gray alien, I just think it's a very, very fascinating insight to that human-alien relation. User, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the carpenter copter. We've had our fill of tea. We're waving goodbye to the alien. The family's, family's paralyzed now and more of the aliens are showing up. They're like, it's probe time. We're like, oh, they're just going to have so much fun making tea together. Let's leave behind this town, and we are headed out to whole England. I want to tell you guys something before we get started on this next story. This next story is real dark. This next story is real dark. It's a true crime story. It's something that I've wanted to talk about for a while. It bugs me. This story really, really bugs me. And there, I'm including at the end of the episode, so if you want to bounce out now and I'll see you tomorrow, that's all. Go enjoy your urine boy eggs and I'll see you tomorrow. But if you want to stick around for a darker true crime story, we're going to go with this one. It's not incredibly dark. It just really bugs me. It really makes me mad. It really, really makes me mad. So it's not like it doesn't involve kids or anything like that, but it's a true crime story. And it... Okay, so Warren Hole, H-U-L-L. That's in East Yorkshire in England. It's January 31st, 2019. If you live over there, I'm sure you already know where this is going. It's a fairly big true crime case that just ended. The trial just ended. There was a young woman named Libby Squire. She's 21 years old, and her and her friends are out clubbing. They're enjoying life. They're getting drunk. They're partying. You know, I used to do all that stuff as well. You can't judge them for that. They're out just doing their thing. What happened, though, is that they're going from club to club. They're getting drunker and drunker. And they go to this club, and Libby is visibly drunk. There's a difference between being buzzed, being drunk, and being so drunk that you legally can't be allowed to buy more liquor. Which, that happens. That happens with a lot of alcoholics. I'm not saying Libby Squire was an alcoholic, but... That's the point where bouncers at clubs, they have to look at liability. They're like, whoa, no, no, she's too drunk. She can't come in here. Sure, she's probably going to spend money, but we have an obligation. We can't do that. And a lot of times it's a legal obligation. In the United States, I know for sure you cannot serve someone alcohol if they're legally drunk. So the friends want to continue their... Oh, man, those poor friends. The poor friends in this story. There's a lot of people who suffer in this story, but can you imagine if you were one of these young woman's friends? They say, listen, we still want to continue to party. Like, you need to hold your liquor. I'm putting words in their mouth. I don't know if they said any of this stuff. These are real people. But they do say, Libby, we want to continue our party. We will pay for a taxi to take you home. 
You're too drunk to get in. You can't wait outside. So they call a taxi. They pay the taxi. They put her in and they give taxi driver the address and they go into the club. Taxi cab driver, upstanding citizen, drives this horribly drunk young woman home safe and sound. And there's a lot of people like that in this story. Libby gets out of the taxi cab. She's right in front of her house. I think it was like a dorm type of thing. I think it was like an apartment complex. But she's right outside of her building. And the taxi cab drives away. This is England. There's cameras everywhere. We have a lot of video footage of this woman. Apparently, the taxi cab drives away, and Libby is just kind of standing out there, and she falls face first on the ground. She's so drunk, she just gets up, brushes herself off, and walks away from her house. It's January 31st. In England, it's freezing cold. And she's dressed to go to the club. She's dressed in club clothes, which (laughs) don't include parkas. They don't include ski pants. She's walking around the town of Hull. Some of her fellow students. Yeah, I think they dropped her outside of a dorm. I think she, I know she was going to college. Some other students are walking down the street and they see this young, obviously drunk woman walking down the street and they come up to her and they, do you need any help? What's, what's going on? Like, do you need to find a way home? Should we call you a taxi cab? What's going on? And She refuses their help. And you can't force somebody to be helped. So these students go, well, I hope hope she makes it home okay. They don't know that she's walking away from her house. I hope she makes it home okay. Upstanding citizens, these young people, see one of their fellow students in trouble. They want to help her out. And we have CCTV video of Libby walking down the street... And this, this, I love this part of the story. It's probably the only part of the story that I do love. Stranger after stranger after stranger. Stopping and asking, do you need help, young lady? Can I get you home? And she refuses over and over and over again. People see her stumbling down the street. They're leaning out of their car. Hey, you! Hey, you, mate! What's going on, lady? You look like you're not feeling good. She walks away. Couples are walking down the street. They see her. Hey, honey, do you need help? She walks away. She's refusing all this help, and we have this footage of her walking down the street. When her friends get home, she's not there. The next day, they can't find Libby. That that feeling. As a kid, you know, you're babysitting your sibling, and they go missing. That's happened to me a couple times. You're like, Jason, you're a terrible babysitter. You know what I mean? Like, they go running off or do something stupid, and you're like, dude, where are you, man? I'm trying to find you. Blah, 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 blah. And, and you're mad because you know that they're just kind of messing around, but at the same time, you get that pit in your stomach. But I've only had that happen for maybe like 20, 30 minutes. You're like, 20, 30 minutes, Jason, you are a bad babysitter. Can you imagine that happening for 24 hours, 48 hours? We put Libby in the cab. The cab took her back home. We don't know what happened. Authorities are called. The police start reviewing this video. And they see this young woman walking down the street. And they see person after person reaching out to her, trying to help her. She's freezing cold in clubbing clothes. She's horribly, horribly drunk. One thing the police notice in these videos is cars pulling up and people leaning out or getting out of the car and asking if she needs help and her refusing the help, and then the car continue on. But a couple times, they see the same car 
following her down the street, seems to be stalking her. They start to try to identify this vehicle. The police continue to view video to try to find all the different angles of what could have happened to Livy. And they do find that at one point this car stops. A man gets out of the car, begins talking to Libby. They'd seen this happen before. But then he puts his arm around Libby and leads her to the passenger seat. She gets in the car and the car drives away. March 20th, 2019, seven weeks after Libby Squire has vanished, they find her body floating in the Humber estuary. She'd been in the water for so long, they don't know how she died. But they do notice some bruises on her that could be signs of strangulation. And there also appears to be, it's hard to tell because the body had been in the water for seven weeks, they're assuming, signs of rape. So they think it wasn't an accident. They don't think that she just stumbled off into the darkness. So an estuary, I had to look this up, an estuary is where a large river meets a stream, basically. So they believe at some point she had fell into the water or had been pushed into the water or disposed of if she was already dead. And she'd been floating around this entire time until her body was finally recovered. But they believe they have a murder investigation on their hands. It does happen. We covered that a long time ago. When we talked about all those people, I think we were talking about like the happy face killers, that whole theory about all the people who are found drowned in the rivers and the waterways in America. We see that I'll post links in the show notes, but we see the same thing happened in Holland, I believe it is, where they have a thing where young men after this is just a weird thing that young men do. They leave bars. They have to urinate. They're super drunk. And in Holland, they do it a lot. They pee into the canals. That's where the Holland is, the one with all the canals in the water, right? And they fall in. And when in America, the happy face killer conspiracy theory is that there's a gang of people who are pushing young college-aged men into the rivers and the streams of America, and it's counting for all these deaths. There's two homicide detectives that have been investigating it for decades. I did an episode on it a long time ago. And in Holland, they have the same thing. They don't think it's a serial killer. They know that this is a common occurrence. It's tragic every single time. It's called death by misadventure, I believe, is what it's classified as. But... They think someone who's drunk, they're walking around in the dark, it's easy to fall in a river, and they're drunk. They're not going to be, they can barely walk. They're not going to be able to swim. So they're looking at that, but they're also looking at this car, and they do identify the driver of it. His name is Paulwell Relowitz, 26 year old husband of two children. Now he denies it. Right. They're talking to him, and he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I didn't kill anybody. Everyone knows the story of Libby Squire. It's a big missing persons case in England. But I didn't do anything. I'm married. I have two kids. I don't need to be out on the street murdering people. And they go, but here's the thing, Paulwell. We have you on video. We have you on video following her in the car. We have you on video getting out and leading her to the passenger seat. And Paulwell goes, okay, well, here's the thing. I did that. But I didn't murder her. And I didn't murder anybody. And they go, well, then what happened? This might be the worst alibi ever. And we just recently covered a story about a guy who says he was possessed by a ghost. He's using that as his defense. He says, okay, here's the thing. You're right. You do have me on video doing this stuff. 
Let me tell you the whole story. I was at McDonald's. I was eating some McDonald's late at night. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm done with this. Normally people don't live in McDonald's. I'm done eating my McDonald's. It's time to leave. And he goes, I'm driving around the city. And I'll be honest with you guys. I was looking for some strange. I was looking to bang a girl because I do like having sex with women. Even though I have a wife, I wanted a little something on the side. He's totally upfront about that. And he goes, so I'm driving down the road and I see this fairly attractive young woman. And she's dressed like she's at the club and she must have been so cold outside. So I actually got out and invited her into the car. And I'm like, okay. He says... We had come to the conclusion that we were going to have sex. She wanted to have sex with me. I'm a very attractive man. He says, as the two cops look at each other, they're like, ugh. I'm a very attractive man, and we needed a place to go. Obviously, we can't take her back to my place because of my wife and two children. So we drove out to this field. We drove out to this field, and the police are like, you mean the field? The field by the stream? Yeah, yeah, the field that has easy access to the water rays. Yeah, we went out to that field. And... We had sex. We had 100% consensual sex. Now, you see these scratches on my face? You see these scratches on my face here? And the police are like, we didn't see those scratches until you pointed them out. And he's like, oh, great. Well, these scratches on here are on my face because after we had sex, I realized that I'm a married man and I had to go home. And she was so mad I wouldn't have more sex with her because I'm such a sex machine that she scratched me because I said no more sex. Cops are like, the cops are taking notes. They're like, this guy is a moron. So he goes, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. She scratched me and I got off of her because I didn't want to have sex with her anymore because she scratched me. It's like this, like this Schrodinger scratch, which happened first. And he goes, and the cops go, why didn't she just take her home at that point? And he goes, well, the problem is, is she was so drunk. And really, at this point, he's admitted to raping her because she's so drunk. And he said that she was so drunk. But he goes, she was so drunk, she w- I was afraid she was going to throw up in my car. So I may, I may sexually assault a drunk woman, but there is no way I would let her vomit in my car. What type of monster do you think I am, officers? So I left her in the park. And she was totally alive when I left, officers. She was totally alive when I left. And they're like, well, she was freezing cold. I, yeah, it was kind of cold down. I probably, you know, you're right. I probably should have done something. She might have stumbled into the waterway. Apparently she did, officers. But I don't know what happened to her after I left. I actually left her in that field, totally alive, and I went to go eat some McDonald's. The police, the police are like, that's suspicious. No one eats McDonald's twice in one day. And he's like, dang it, my alibi's been blown. They do have him on video at McDonald's twice in one day. That actually did not, that actually did not have anything to do. That is true, but it is not what caused the break in the case. So all of this stuff comes out in trial, right? His alibi that he does, they're showing this video footage. And a bunch of other stuff came out as well. Because you could argue that, like that is a you're, you're, you've just admitted to rape. You're gonna do some time for that, but a good defense lawyer could probably argue that, yes, he did all that stuff. <laughs> my my client is a total disgusting human being, but he didn't murder her. Someone else may have come along and murdered her after the fact, or that's where the bruises came from. That it was rough sex, and she walked into the river afterwards. So, like a good defense lawyer could argue that stuff, but. Here's some other factors that happened. They go and get into his car. They find a bag of sex toys. He's like, "Eh, everyone has sex toys. He used underwear. Not his. 
and not his wife's. It was stolen underwear from other women's houses. And he says, no, 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 I don't know why you're getting this whole stealing from women's houses thing. I don't know where those came from. <laughs> when I bought the car, it had a complimentary bag of sex toys and used women's underwear. They also found in the trunk of his car a scream mask, you know, ghost face, and a clown mask as well. The police begin to investigate him, and they realize that Paulwell has been convicted several times of sex crimes. Now they're really onto this guy. They're reviewing footage. They're looking at all this stuff. It turns out that not that this information did not come out during the trial. This it, he was found guilty of the murder of Libby Squire because they have the video footage. He basically placed himself at the scene. He, his defense lawyer really had no argument. He definitely raped the woman. She was too drunk. Too drunk. She was so drunk she was about to throw up. He was found guilty. So now we're in the sentencing phase. And that's when even more information came out. Because you can't always reveal this information when you're... It's such a weird thing. Like, you're being tried for that crime. So you usually can't bring other crimes into it. Turns out he's a sex pest. He's been committing sex crimes for years. Earlier that night, before he killed Libby Squire, he was masturbating outside of a woman's house while watching her. He had done that earlier that night. And there were other instances of him masturbating, breaking into women's houses, stealing their underwear, masturbating into the underwear. And creepy of all. I, I find this detail... I mean, we're talking about a young murdered woman. And all of the lie. I mean, can you imagine being one of her friends? It's hard to place ourselves in the position of the murder victim, right? But can you imagine being one of those friends? Like, we've all been in those situations where we've been like, hey, dude, are you, you're not good to drive. Oh, no, I can totally drive, bro. We've all been in situations like that, and most of the time they work out, but it only takes one time for it not to work out. And the friends who just go, well, we're going to go club and we'll send you home. The cab driver. Every single person who stopped. Those are us. Those people are us. We can't... It's hard for us to sympathize with Libby. I mean, we can definitely... And we don't want to empathize or sympathize or care anything about Powell. But we can all, we've all been that person on the road and seen something weird. Seen it and been like, hey, are you okay? So yeah, I mean, imagine being those people. We can imagine that. And, and trying to help. Try, I, feel, I almost feel like so many guardian angels were sent down that night. I know that sounds really highfalutin and maybe too, you know, new agey. But I think everyone had a message in their heart that night to, hey, try to help this woman. Try to help this woman. It's several times they have on CCTV, but it didn't help. She was killed. And so that's all creepy in and of itself. But after he murdered her, he went home and he watched porn. He was watching porn after he had just raped and murdered this woman. And earlier in the night, he was masturbating, staring in women's windows, watching them. It's still not enough. He goes home and he watches porn and he's masturbating again. And then they have video of him in the middle of the night walking out into the field where he says this was the last... What mo, what they imagine is he took her out to the field, he had sex with her, she fought back, he murdered her. And that's probably how it was. Probably wasn't consensual at all. He murdered her, he got off on it. But he goes back to the... And then disposed of her body in the river because they didn't find her out in the field. She was just floating in the water for so long. He goes back to the field where he had murdered her and there's video of him. This is so creepy because I can just imagine it. 
They showed this video during the sentencing, apparently. I don't think they showed it during the trial, oddly enough. But I could be wrong on that detail, because information came out in different phases and different articles and stuff like that. But Because this would, this would have been the end of the trial. It would have been a one-day trial had this video been released. There's video footage of Powell walking into the field, and he's masturbating in the darkness. That's terrifying. That 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 to, that image to me is so terrifying. That is a man whose bloodlust cannot be satiated. He just raped and murdered a woman. Went home, watched porn. Went to back to the spot where he raped and murdered the woman after the body had been disposed of. He didn't go back to clean up evidence. He didn't go back to tie up any loose ends. He went back and just jacked off in the shadows. That's that that image is just creepy to me. That's inhuman. That's inhuman. This is one of those stories that I don't have a really no analysis for, right? I don't have a well, this shows that sometimes man is even more evil than the monsters because we know that. This isn't anything it's he got sentenced. He's going to serve at least 27 years, which seems like nothing. He's 26 years old. He could be out what in my math on the fly isn't great, but what is that? 53, he'll be out. And and Britain, I know I don't like to get political. I don't know if this is considered political. Britain has the worst justices. We've covered so many stories where they're like, yeah, this guy murdered a bunch of people. And he did 10 years and some judge was like, oh, he's paid his dues. And then he goes out and murders more people. I They are just constantly releasing people over there before they need to get released. People can say America's justice system is too harsh, and that may be true as well, but I, I'll eat my hat. Oh, I will eat I will eat a virgin boy-soaked egg if this guy does 28 years. So track me down when I'm 70. If this guy gets out, um, I'll eat a I'll eat a virgin boy egg. But yeah, there's no real analysis to the end of the story. There's nothing I can say to wrap it up. There's really nothing I can say to even make it scary. It's just the image of that man masturbating in the darkness. Like, that's one of those things. Like, I read this story and I'd wanted to cover it for a long time. The reason why I didn't because I thought it was too much of a downer. I thought it was too dark. So there's really no other way to end this. I mean, <laughs> sleep well, I guess? And that's the reason why I want to include those two kind of funny stories, or the funny story and then the interest in alien story in the beginning, because sometimes we come across true crime stuff like this that I find extremely fascinating. And I do, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to cover it was that final image, that really creepy image of that man just masturbating in the darkness. He's celebrating his crime. He's celebrating, and who knows if he's done this before, right? But the other reason I wanted to cover it was because of all the people helping out. I think that's a interesting part of the story. In an alternate universe, damn it. In an alternate universe, I don't mean to be make light of it, but one of those people were able to get her home. But she kept on walking into the darkness until the darkness finally took her away. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.